Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms, and here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right, all right, let's get into it. So I want to talk today about keto cycling and protein cycling and why this is an important consideration for women. Now, we've been talking all month about how to initiate a weight loss program, I have clear biases around the uh, benefits of a ketogenic diet and why I think that that can upregulate uh, mitochondrial efficiency, how it can uh, help to uh, improve appetite regulation, how it can help to lose the weight and keep the weight off because there's literally no point in losing weight if you're just going to gain it back again. And I wanted to discuss a little bit more specifically this week, the ketogenic diet and um, women. And I thought we might start off with the thyroid uh, and thyroid function. And we were talking about this uh, a little bit towards the end of last week's Geeky Magic. Um, In particular, women, multi-parous women, so women who have had more than one uh, full-term baby, one one full-term pregnancy, do seem to struggle with thyroid regulation more so than their female counterparts who have never um, been pregnant. Now, of course, that's not to say that if you've never been pregnant, that you've never been pregnant or never had a full-term pregnancy, that you are not going to suffer with um, thyroid issues. Of course, I have friends um, who have no children uh, who struggle with thyroid issues. So that's not to say that it's a be-all and end-all, but generally speaking, when we're, when we're, um, you know, I'm painting broad strokes here. Women with more than one full-term pregnancy will tend to struggle with uh, thyroid regulation more so than not. And so my observation with long-term ketogenic diets and thyroid function is particularly with women is that some people, not everybody, but some people will see an increase in their reverse T3 when on a keto diet. And this is also particularly true when they're aggressively fasting as well. Now, what is reverse T3? This is basically the, um, the mirror, if you will, of active, the active thyroid hormone T3. So this is basically junk T3. It does nothing in the body. It is a mirror form. So it is completely inactive. And 
What we also um, see potentially as well is that long-term suppression of insulin can also contribute to an increase in that reverse T3, which of course can increase that suppression in thyroid function. So when your thyroid is just pumping out gobs and gobs and gobs of reverse T3, you're not actually you're not actually releasing the T the active form of the uh, hormone T3 from that gland, and you are going to alter your thyroid function. Of course, one of the side effects of having an elevated uh, reverse T3 is that you're going to have a decrease in temperature, in body temperature, and you're all always going to be feeling cold. That's actually one of the classic signs that we see where we, if you are um, suspecting thyroid issues, and you always have to test in order to kind of rule in or out thyroid dysregulation, but women will often complain about being cold all the time, cold hands, cold feet, can't seem to regulate their body temperature, no, irrespective of what they do, how many sweaters they wear, you know, et cetera. So one of the ways to avoid this junk T3, if you will, this reverse T3 um, from increasing too much is when you are thinking about starting a ketogenic diet, or if you've been doing one for a while, one of the best pieces of advice that I can give you is don't reduce your calories too quickly, right? I talked last week about how the ketogenic diet is in and of itself by nature of the fat consumption, a natural regulator of your appetite. So it actually precludes you or it would behoove you to reduce your calories too quickly and too aggressively. The other thing that you can consider is when you are switching to low uh, a low carb diet, or if you're doing keep, it has to be high fat, low carb, or like low carb ish, right? Don't eliminate all your carbs right away. Um, I would, and you know, of the carbs that you keep, don't make those things, protein bars and keto bars and like processed foods, like make them veg, you know, like make those carbohydrates, vegetables, where you are getting some of that postbiotic signaling that we were discussing last week with the benefits of ke the ketogenic diet and the microbiome. So making sure that you're getting a lot of soluble fiber, that's going to act as a substrate for those colonocytes that is going to help with uh, this post, this uh, post um, biotic signaling and this epigenetic signal for or the mitochondria. And if you are, you know, doing a ketogenic diet and you've also, you're also doing a calorically restricted ketogenic diet for weight loss, you might consider one of two options, either doing like a ketogenic refeed every three to four days. And that is where, um, you know, some might call this like a diet break. So you're just eating a higher volume of foods. You're still keeping the macronutrients relatively constant. Like if you're doing, let's say a 70, 20, 10, let's say like 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% carb. Um, if you are following that macronutrient breakdown, then every couple of days, you might just have a break in that. So you reduce, you still keep the macro split, but the calories that you are taking in, you increase the volume of food that you're eating. So you kind of bump up your caloric restriction. Um, the other option um, that you might uh, consider is like a carb backloading. Um, and this is to say, um, 
for women, particularly if you are noticing thyroid dysfunction, uh, or if you are particularly if you're waking up overnight, that's also another telltale sign that maybe your thyroid and or adrenals uh, are a little bit stressed. Uh, you can do something called carb backloading, meaning that you eat ketogenic during the day. And then in the evening, you can increase your carbohydrate count. And then again, you might like you might consider uh, like honey, which has like a one-to-one glucose to fructose um, uh, ratio in it uh, helps to feed the adrenal glands, let's say, and then overnight you're able to maintain uh, your sleep. So keeping these, so either doing this car, this keto refeed or the car backloading, this might activate, these might help to activate pathways that would prevent an increase in that reverse T3. And it can also allow your metabolism to keep kind of cranking, like to keep cranked and to prevent a slowing of your metabolism, uh, which is commonly seen with long-term caloric restriction. That's like one of the big um, things that I like to poo-poo all over with like extended caloric restriction is that everything drops, right? Your digestion slows, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate slows, your ability to shed weight slows as well. So this kind of... um, phasic refeeding where you're tempering the calories, like every couple of days you're doing a refeed, um, this might be really, really useful. And I actually use this strategy um, for a slightly different reason when I was preparing for my magazine cover. Um, I was doing more of a carbohydrate refeed every couple of days because I was just reaching this point because, you know, when you're cutting for a magazine, like when you're going on the cover of a magazine, like you're going to be in a cut phase. So I was like cutting calories, but I was so freaking exhausted exhausted from my, um, from my workouts that every couple of days I was doing a carbohydrate refeed. So kind of very similar to like a diet break or or a carb backloading, but it was a carb refeed through the day. The other thing that you might consider when you're thinking of supporting your thyroid and having a ketogenic diet uh, is also making sure that you're consuming foods that support the thyroid. So things like that are high in iodine and things that are high in selenium, very, very important. Now, my absolute favorite uh, in the history of ever for both of these things is going to be liver. It is nature's multivitamin. Um, However, I cannot stomach actual liver, like the actual organ, like I'm going to yak, like I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, So I take desiccated um, liver. So I use a a company called Ancestral Supplements. They're one of the sponsors of the show. Um, And we will, I believe that there's a code that we have free that takes 10% off of your purchase. So I'll have a clickable link in the show notes. I believe it's tribe 10, if I'm not mistaken, but my my producer will make sure that that, that's in the show um, adequately. So liver is a really, really great source uh, of selenium, also like riboflavin, all the B vitamins, all the things, um, and iodine as well. And I think it's important important. We not fear the salt. Okay. So, um, most people who run into issues with iodine, uh, it used to be that they, they didn't live near the sea, right? So people who were sort of living inland were the people that were running into these, like we'd have these, you'd see these people running around with like kind of goiters, uh, these sort of big lumps, if you will, on their necks. Now, of course we have ionized, uh, iodized salts now. So we add iodine into the salt. But this is where you have to be actually using salt in order to profit from the salt. So liberally salting your meats, liberally salting your foods is important as well. Um, Sardines are a really great 
um, sardines are a great source. Um, and so are Brazil nuts of selenium as well. Um, and I would say, I've said this in a previous podcast, I would say that Brazil nuts are like the heavyweight champ of selenium. Um, so, you know, five to six, I think uh, Brazil nuts are going to give you like, you know, m- more than your RDA of uh, selenium requirements. So you can have it through Brazil nuts. You can have it through organ meats, which is actually my preferred way to do it. Uh, and you can have it through fish, like uh, iodine through fish, uh, like sardines, et cetera. I will also point out that some people with high reverse T3, you will have a high reverse T3 even when you're not calorically restricted. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing, salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. Even when you're not cutting calories, which implies that the thyroid issue may have more to do with the suppression of insulin than it does with the restriction of calories. And this is far more common in women than men. And I was talking about this last week when I was saying one of the clinical observations that I had with uh, women who were in a, who were doing a ketogenic diet for a long period of time became completely insulin insensitive. Now, of course, this could be overcome with a carbohydrate bolus. Like we'd give them, uh, some carbohydrates and then retest and it was much better. Um, but women who have been living on a 1200 calorie diet for decades, uh, who I would classify as having like aggressive fasting practices coupled with like you know, air quote, I'm using air quotes. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you know, if you're clean eating, right. Meaning that they're fasting way too long, way too often, uh, their foods are not salted, um, which, you know, salt, as I you know mentioned has been one of the things that's been demonized along with estrogen, along with cholesterol, uh, very likely doing four or more cardio sessions per week, some type of hit training all the time, you know, never engaging in that low, in- like that low intensity, steady state cardio that Dr. Phil Maftone and I were discussing. Like if you want to be a fat burner, you need to be increasing the cross-sectional density of your type one fibers. You don't do that with HIIT workouts five times a week. And actually what you're going to get is you're going to get a belly from it because what happens is you're always in this hyper cortisolemia. Uh, your body thinks that you're always running away from the tiger, the proverbial tiger, the proverbial bear or whatever. And you are going to hold onto fat like it is an insurance policy. So one of the best ways to get there is, and you know, I was talking about this with Dr. Phil, which hopefully you've heard 
our podcast already, but I really want to make slow sexy again, right? It's like, take your time guys, right? Like nobody wants, <laughs> and you know, of course my mind goes to the gutter when I think about going slow. And if yours did too, then you are exactly the type of person that I want listening to this podcast, because if you can make a dirty joke out of cardio, then we can be best friends, but nobody wants a jackrabbit in the bedroom, right? We want someone who's going to take their time. We want someone who's going to go low and slow. It's going to be sensual and delicious. And the same is true for your cardio when it comes to fat burning. We want it low and slow and delicious. You want to be able to have a conversation. You should be able to have a conversation with someone else. It shouldn't feel like you're dying, right? It shouldn't, you know, like back to the bedroom example, you shouldn't have a neck hernia from it. Like it should be, I mean, maybe some of the, you know, and maybe this is a topic for a different, <laughs> different episode, but you know, the, um, you know, the, the romp that you're having in the bedroom shouldn't leave you injured. Okay. And the same is true with your cardio. Your cardio shouldn't leave you injured. It shouldn't actually, your low steady state cardio should be the name of the game. And it shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily be doing that all the time anyway. Um, I guess I, I talk about this because it's hard to deconstruct in, in some of these women what's happening because some of them are over-exercising um, or they're calorically restricted or they're taking intermittent fasting a little bit too far. So I actually like to, instead of doing all of these things continuously, you know, calorically restricting yourself, fasting all the time, um, over-exercising, of course, I like to pulse them. I like them to be in this pulsatile um, fashion and your body adapts to the state that you're in all the time. So I believe that it's really important to be using these things intermittently. And of course, if you restore insulin sensitivity, as I mentioned, it's fairly easy for someone who's been doing keto for too long to actually overcome that insulin insensitivity, but you're better able to access and burn fat. And that of course becomes a key feature to the longevity and your proclivity to stay with this style of eating over the long term. So how do we overcome this? One is higher carbs. Okay. So not all the time, again, in that pulsatile fashion. Um, but I would say that it's advantageous to keep a base level of carbohydrates in the diet for most women. Um, so many of the women that I work with, again, uh, have developed this like negative association with carbohydrates, uh, this negative association with carbohydrates and metabolism. And, you know, physiologically their insulin sensitivity is worse than someone than who, who has carbohydrates in the diet. And let me just be the first to say, as someone who lifts weights and trains, this is a big part of how I stay metabolically healthy. One of the things that carbohydrates do is they prevent muscle protein breakdown. They don't stimulate muscle protein synthesis in the same way that a protein bolus might. But what they do do is that they prevent the muscle protein breakdown. And this is actually why I often recommend having carbohydrates post-workout because you want to have a protein bolus. So you want to have some protein that's going to stimulate the MPS, the muscle protein synthesis, but you also want to pair that with a carbohydrate, which is going to impair muscle protein breakdown. So you want to be net net positive in your ability, in your muscle building efforts. You want to prevent breakdown and stimulate growth. That's what we want with muscles. And for women, this becomes more and more and more important, um, of course, as we age some advantages to keeping some carbohydrates in the diet. Um, I think, uh, if you are working out, taking in, um, you know, at least 50 to hundred grams of carbohydrate, 
carbohydrates per day um, of slow burning carbohydrates is enough to aid in repair and prevent that muscle protein breakdown that I was just referring to. And this is particularly true if you're working out, your muscles need those carbohydrates to prevent that. It's also going to prevent you from, um, you know, for my, for my nerds that are listening, it's going to um, keep you from preventing py pyruvate the pyruvate dehydrogenase complex. And it's going to help you keep your insulin sensitivity high by keeping that PDH pathway, that pyruvate dehydrogenase complex pathway open. What kind of carbs are we talking about, doc? Well, let me tell you, uh, fibrous carbs, right? So all the rainbow, right? The green leafy vegetables, the red vegetables, the cabbage, the fermented foods, these are all incredible. Um, so any of the fibrous carbs, um, I love to have them like sauteed. Um, I like kale. I like spinach. I love broccoli, broccoli seeds. And yes, I'm aware of some of the comments around oxalates and these goitrogens, but the super physiological, like the amount of broccoli that you would need to consume, um, in order, in order to sort of be like a goitro, you know, and I'll talk more about this with, with, uh, Dr. Saladino when he comes on the show, but I think that the amount that you would need to consume would be far in excess of what people are willing to consume or able to consume. But that being said, if you want to stay away from things like kale, um, or spinach or something, um, I love, uh, avocado. I like fruits like blueberries, um, stone fruits are great. Um, I like dark chocolate. I think that that's a, a great, uh, carbohydrate to consume. I think, especially as a woman, it is our birthright to have dark chocolate. Um, okay. Maybe not our birthright, but I think that it should, <laughs> I think that we all should have dark chocolate. Um, also is really chock full of magnesium as well, which is really important for women who are still cycling, because of course we lose a lot of magnesium every single month, uh, through our bleed. So, um, that those are some of the carbohydrates um, that I like. I love the rainbow. So I love the peppers. I love the, you know, I love all colors of vegetables. Um, and then I like, I like fruits. I like honey as well. Um, I do like some nuts as well. I don't have a ton of nuts, but I do have uh, Brazil nuts. I always have pistachios and Brazil nuts in my pantry um, and some dark chocolate. I think that this is important for women. Uh, as I mentioned, because prolonged carbohydrate restriction is going to produce this physiological carbohydrate intolerance or this glucose or this rather this insulin, I should say, intolerance. And if you go back to eating carbohydrates, initially you're going to have this hyperinsulinergic response and then this hyperglycemia, which kind of makes you feel a bit loopy. So that's why I think that it's important for women to keep a baseline of carbs when they're doing a carbohydrate, uh, when they're doing a ketogenic um, diet. Whereas, you know, if you're keeping like that baseline, that little bit of carbs, you can maintain your carbohydrate tolerance through the cycle. And I've talked about this in the Betty body, how I like to, um, vacillate between higher and lower levels of carbohydrates through the cycle to keep that carbohydrate tolerance good. So that's sort of the, uh, my spiel or my shtick, if you will, on why I think women need to be consuming, um, more carbohydrates. Let's talk a little bit about cycling those carbohydrates. So <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I mentioned that uh, I talked about this in my book and I still think that, um, you know, the, the book is going to be a year old. Like I can't even believe that my baby's going to be a year. We need to have like a cake smash photo shoot with my book or something, but, um, and all my moms will get that silly joke. But, um, I think that 
for women, whether you are in your menopausal years or you're in your perimenopausal or you're, me- or you're regularly menstruating, I think it's important for you to be cycling your carbohydrates uh, week over week. And the way that I typically like to do it is like, I like high, um, I like keto weeks. Uh, if we think about the cycle as four weeks, I like week one and three. So bleed week and right after you ovulate. Uh, very similar from a hormonal perspective. We have estrogen low in the beginning of weeks one and three, and then estrogen sort of climbs to um, its apex in in week two around day 10. Uh, But then we also see sort of a lower secondary peak of estrogen happening in the middle of the third week as well. So I like a ketogenic uh, diet uh, like that 70, 20, 10 in weeks one and three. And then in weeks two and four, I actually like higher protein, higher carbohydrates. And this is that carbohydrate pulsing. That's keeping that carbohydrate tolerance really great in a woman who want, who is concerned about, um, uh, uh, who is concerned about keeping her thyroid really healthy. So in weeks two and four, I tend to like, it can vary based on the person, but generally I'll start off with a recommendation of 40, 40, 20 with 40 fat, 40 protein, 20 carbohydrates. Um, you can kind of modulate it from there based on your own, you know, particular predicament, but that's usually a really good place to start. Sometimes I'll even pull the fat even a little bit lower and bump up the carbs even a little bit higher. So I've had, um, uh, I've had patients on like 30 fat, 40 protein, 30 carbohydrates there. I got it right. So 30, 40, 30. Uh, I've done that as well. Um, when I'm trying to dose a higher, particularly if she's lifting really heavy, right? We want to, and, and that's very true. If you're following the Estima method, the Estima protocol, you would be lifting very heavy in week two anyway, because you're trying to coincide with that testosterone peak, uh, that we have in our cycle. You're trying to profit off of that by lifting really heavy as well. Um, so I would probably increase that, those carbohydrates there as well, somewhere between 50 and hundred grams of carbohydrates, depending on the physiology and the tolerance of the person and her metabolic flexibility, her fitness, her history, all those things. That's how I would be cycling as well uh, for a woman. And as I mentioned, um, for some people, um, you may um, think about like carbing, having those carb up days, as I mentioned, when I was training for my, um, for my photo shoot, for the cover of the magazine, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's right behind me, um, which is idolized. I have this, I have a huge poster of it that the, uh, strong fitness magazine, uh, team sent me. I have yet to hang it up, but, um, I, uh, I think that doing a carb up day, you know, every couple of days might be the way to do it, or you can also do backloading, right? So like doing keto all day long and and then backloading, um, like having carbohydrates in the evening, right? So it's even though you're, and that doesn't mean that you just get to eat the cookies and the chips and the crackers, it's mostly fibrous carbs. So it's sort of like a slow carb, um, backloading and this concept, um, basically looks like lunch and breakfast is keto, right? You can exercise whenever you want in the day. Um, but you would want to, uh, ideally you would exercise sort of later in the day or in the evening. And that's when you would ramp up the carbohydrates post workout again with that, um, uh, with that idea that you're going to follow the workout with some carbohydrates. And I believe this was, um, I, I'm going to say his name wrong, but I believe it was Kiefer, um, who came up with this idea of carb loading and his rationale was that you're more insulin sensitive in the morning, a little bit more insulin resistant at night, right. Which is just general, general circadian biology. So therefore you must be more susceptible to storing your energy as fat when you're more insulin sensitive in the morning. And of course we see that in,
in, you know, when you're more insulin sensitive, you are much more primed for um, putting on fat. So you basically ride out um, the overnight fast, which increases fat oxidation. Um, if you're using the lumen and you're blowing into that lumen in the morning, you should be blowing, you're burning mainly carbs, like a one or a two on the lumen. And we'll have a link for the lumen in the show notes as well. Um, and then you train and you exercise and you eat the carbs right after your exercise to prevent that muscle protein breakdown that has happened while you've been exercising. So the thought is that after a hard workout, you're partitioning more glucose to the muscles and less to the fat, partly because of that non-insulin mediated glucose uptake. And in part because the fat cells may be a little bit more insulin resistant in the evening. So that's like one way that you can do it. Um, it, that doesn't really work for me because I work out in the morning. Um, so I like to follow my, I actually do that principle, but I, I have a phasic shift. So it's earlier in the day. So I will eat, uh, I will work out fasted and then follow my workout with protein and carbohydrates. And then I'll, I'll cut my food off. Like I usually stop eating around four o'clock or five o'clock because I'm, you know, <laughs> because I'm acting like my grandmother. I don't know. Like I, I have the senior special, like eating at four o'clock, finishing off my food by four seems to really help my, my sleep. So that's just what works. All right. So this has been keto cycling. And over the course of this past month, we have talked about all the ways that you can be successful in your weight loss efforts, understanding your neurobiology and your pleasure centers, understanding your detoxification of your estrogen and your thyroid, understanding how to do the ketogenic diet for women, how to cycle, how to protect your thyroid, how to stay carb sensitive, how to stay insulin sensitive, uh, and not become insulin insensitive. So hopefully you found this, um, useful. Um, and it's going to move the needle for you in your health goals. And we will see you next week. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only. And the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only.